I'm John Canada. Welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, June 30th, last day of June 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We're going for a different kind of enlightenment here. We kind of break the rules for Native Radio. We don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches or spirituality shows. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us, and we do it all right here, live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams live on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show via Facebook Live on our Facebook group pages uh, and share it across a bunch of other group pages as well. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which goes out as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on our sound on our, our YouTube video, or I'm sorry, on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. Um, I suggest that you that you subscribe both to our podcast and to our YouTube um, channel. And that way you'll catch all our, not only our show, just our show videos, but the videos that we do our short form videos on various topics that, uh, that Jake and I work on from time to time. I am the show's host and producer, and I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our video. Um, let's get to it. I, I listed our topic for the day as carved in stone. Um, to be more specific, we're talking about white supremacy carved in stone. And yes, we are talking about what, um, what, what Americans call Mount Rushmore, and, which is a desecration of the Black Hills, some of the st- uh, stone formations in the Black Hills of the Lakota Territory, where four U.S. presidents' um, faces were carved into uh, a mountain that was known as the Seven Grandfathers. Uh, just the idea of erasing Lakota history and then carving, uh, you know, desecrating, you know, these mountains in such a way. Um, it's, I mean, it's a tribute to white supremacy. Just the idea that it, it, it not only could be done, but that it was done. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, uh, the current president, who is also a white supremacist, is heading out on July 3rd in a pre-Independence Day um, uh, campaign uh, rally, you'd have to call it, is going out to uh, to Mount Rushmore. Um, they're going to do fireworks, all the things that you know that you would think this day with the pandemic and all that other stuff wouldn't happen. In fact, even the governor of South Dakota is saying this will not be a social distancing event. I mean, she's basically advertising this gathering as uh, a super spreader event. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it is, it's, it's pathetic in so many different ways. But I wanted to spend a little time. For, for one thing, I want to talk about the four faces carved into that. I'm not going to talk about the morons live face that's going to be there. But I want to talk about the four faces that are carved there. Because I, I don't think people can appreciate why Native people use the name Randa Dagayas as the, um, why we call the President of the United States that. And where it comes from. It, it, our word, which sometimes is, translated loosely to town destroyer it talks about this idea of almost like shark bite or a rabid dog just tearing at the, the at the human flesh at the at the flesh of our of our communities 
not just our town. I mean, not just knocking buildings down, but but tearing at our at our flesh. That's the image that comes with Runa de Gaius. And it comes from originally from one of those faces carved into the mountain, George Washington, who launched what uh, is historically known as the Sullivan Campaign, which was to obliterate the Iroquois, but specifically uh, the Senecas, uh, wipe out food supplies, wipe out our, you know, our, our, our food that was planted. Of course, raid all the food first. I mean, they were amazed at how productive our uh, field crops were. And, uh, and so what they couldn't take with them and steal, they destroyed, they burnt. It's actually one of the origins of roast corn soup, um, as it's told to me, comes from this idea of scorching the earth and trying to destroy our, our food stores. Um, but there was also this, this thing that, that Washington specifically said to, to Sullivan was, do not accept any pleas for peace. They, he basically said they had to know the terror of their chastisement. So they, they, they need to be chastised. They need to be punished in a way that it would invoke terror upon them. It is actually, George Washington is, well, he's the first U.S. president, but it's, it's one of those first examples um, of utilizing terrorism as a military strategy to, to try to subdue a people. And, and George Washington literally, literally wrote the words that they needed to know that, that the native people needed to know the terror of their chastisement. He talked about it in a way that there had to be like this intergenerational trauma imposed upon them so they would never rise up again. And so this is what George Washington, he said, except no, no pleas for peace. Uh, and, and he wanted the, the towns, he wanted everything destroyed. He wanted our livelihoods destroyed, our ability to survive destroyed. So that's why George Washington earned the name Run of the Gaius. And as we learned with every, every uh, succeeding president after that, that, that they all lived up to that name. And so it, it almost kind of, the, the translation almost got lost for a while. And I say it, it's almost a, a funny story. Um, we were so used to using that word for the president of the United States I hate to even admit this, but at one point, the Seneca Nation president, on the desk of the Seneca Nation president, they, they had the word run of the Gaius, as if it meant the president. And of course it doesn't. I mean, it just shows you that assimilation and, and all of this stuff kind of just breaks it all down. I mean, it was pointed out, but I, and I don't know how long this existed, but the whole idea that the word would become so connected to the president of the United States that even our own people forgot what the word, what the word meant. It was an insult. And so certainly no Seneca president <laughs> should not want to be called Run the Gaius, but um, that's where it comes from. So that's George Washington. And, and so we're going to start there, but I think it's, it's so important to realize that Trump going to Mount Rushmore is an attempt to basically make a statement that flies in the face of, of any of us who are concerned about these, these um, misrepresentations, this revisionist history that these monuments, whether it's Columbus or the, or the Confederates, you know, uh, 
soldiers, you know, Hunapara Sarah, whoever, all of these people. I mean, Roosevelt statue. He's on this wall, on this wall of shame as well. Um, Roosevelt statue being removed in in New York City from the uh, Museum of Natural History. I mean, this. But this attempt by Trump is to is essentially to to rub it in the faces, and of course he's got a moron governor there in, in Christy Nome who has done everything to, to 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 try to do everything she can to keep the Lakota people suppressed and oppressed, and so Trump's going to go there and you know and and be welcomed, and there has been this like constant drumbeat for years about Native people threatening to blow those faces off the mountain. Blow them off the off the mountain. Let the mountain take on the natural form that you know that erosion and time takes on it. Get rid of the carvings, carved in stone or not. The fact that they've got white supremacy carved in stone doesn't mean. I mean, the expression "carved in stone" makes it sound like it's permanent, right? Nothing's permanent. I mean, and and we know that. We know that because we've watched the, the Earth you know, through, you know through thousands and thousands of years that we live here. And we see the changing uh, landscapes, with, you know, the, the shapes of mountains. We see the changes. And it, we incorporate those changes into our stories. But the changes that, uh, that happened to that, those mountains, and, and again, this thing got the, the carving or the destruction of those mountains, the desecration of those mountains started in 1927. And again, it's Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt that are carved in there. Now, why? Now, there's a bit of a there's a gap, obviously, between Jefferson and Lincoln, and then a, a another gap between Lincoln and uh, and Roosevelt. Why Roosevelt? Well, part of this this whole idea of carving the ascent of the stone was essentially to heap praise on a sitting president because Roosevelt was a was a recent president when this thing this was like a campaign uh, effort. Uh, it, it, it was, it was that much of heaping praise. It'd be like trying to carve Donald Trump's face into a mountain that somebody might come up with that idea. Who knows? Um, yeah, you know, most of, most figures have to be looked at, you know, from a distance. You know, from, when it comes to history, and Roosevelt was not being looked at in, with any kind of historical distance. He, he was being carved into this thing to to praise him and to praise imperialism and and everything that Roosevelt stood for was about white supremacy. It was it was about manifest destiny, um, the doctrine of Christian discovery, all of that stuff woven into probably among the more racist um, presidents of the United States. And you know, and here we sit in Seneca territory. Uh, and it was in Seneca territory that Roosevelt became president of the United States. When William McKinley, another imperialist, was assassinated, Roosevelt would be, would be sworn into office right, uh, right in Buffalo, right in, in Seneca territory. Just uh, more information on Roosevelt. But these faces are carved in without, I, you know, without an explanation. And, and I don't know what you know what was involved in getting the approvals obviously this was a violation of of Lakota land i mean it was it was a desecration of of Lakota land and it still is and there's every generation since this thing has been put up has talked about blowing the uh, blowing that mountain those faces off that mountain and you know we're we're coming you know we, i've talked about this over the last couple of weeks about these monuments and these statues and these face plants of Columbus and and others 
these guys on this mountain are um, are right with them. And and I'm going to go through. I mean, you know some of the history, but I'm going to go through it anyway. George Washington, uh, again, earned the name and forever would would be responsible for what we call the president of the United States and, and run of the run of the guys. And he, again, uh, promoted terrorism against Native people. That's what he looked at as a solution. Now, there, there are plenty of other really terrible quotes. And, and you know, for those of you listening to the show, you know that I have the intention of putting a lot of these quotes together and trying to put together a, um, a manuscript for, for a book, uh, which will be titled Run of the Gaius. Uh, may have a subtitle like the native view of American presidents or something like that. But um, I want the word, the meaning, its origin, and then every president and every one of them has racist comments, including Barack Obama, including obviously the sitting president and whoever's the next president. If it's Joe Biden, he's Joe Biden said plenty of racist comments too. It just it's it's inherent in white men or people who have been a product of the system. So even though Obama isn't, you know, uh, he's only half white, um, he still managed to uh, to capture some of that systemic racism. Uh, in fact, a lot of that systemic racism in his eight years as president. But he's not on this mountain. So who, who else is? Okay, George Washington. But then Thomas Jefferson. Now, Thomas Jefferson... History's been really kind to Thomas Jefferson. You know, they, they've always tried to make him out as the enlightened one. Like, like Thomas Jefferson was, you know, somehow a notch above everybody else. And he wasn't. I mean, he was absolutely every bit as racist. In fact, Thomas Jefferson, he wrote the um, uh, William Henry Harrison uh, when he was the governor of uh, Indiana Territory. And in one letter, and this is in 1803, in one letter, Thomas Jefferson captured essentially four of the most aggressive um, policies that the United States held uh, and enacted, uh, you know, strategized against against Native people. And in that is extermination, uh, terminate or assimilation, termination, um, oh, and of course, removal. Uh, those are the the four, and the, and the fifth one ends up being um, um, self determination. But that wouldn't come in Jefferson's time. Here, I'm going to read this. This is off of a, a letter to William Henry Harrison from Thomas Jefferson, and this is in 1803. To promote the disposition to exchange lands which they have to spare and we want for necessaries which we have to spare and they want. We shall push our trading uses and be glad to see the good and influential individuals among them run in debt because we observe that when these debts get beyond what they what the individuals can pay, they become willing to lop them off with cession of, of lands. And they will, in time, either incorporate with us as citizens of the United States or remove beyond, be removed beyond the Mississippi. The former is certainly the termination. He acknowledged that by assimilating that the that that would certainly be the the termination of our history and and that somehow was that was going to be good for us that's what jefferson wrote um but in the whole course of this it is essential to cultivate their love not really love but just cultivate it cultivate their love uh, as to their fears, as to their fears, we presume that our strength and their weakness is now so visible that they must see that we only have to shut our hands to crush them, 
and that all our liberalities to them proceed from motives of pure humanity only. This guy was scheming, like, how to, you know, he was like, let's create a mortgage, a mortgage crisis in 1803 that'll force the Native people to come off the land and then tell them that, that we're, we're doing this only out of humanity. Yeah, that, that was Thomas Jefferson. Should any tribe be foolhardy enough to take up the hatchet at any time, the seizing of the whole country of that tribe and driving them across the Mississippi as, only, as the only condition of peace would be an example to others and a furtherance of our final consolidation. Final consolidation. He says that, and it, it, and it eerily sounds like like the Nazi uh, final solution. That's what the, the Nazis called the the um, uh, the Holocaust, their final solution. So that's Thomas Jefferson, the enlightened one, right? And 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 it's got to be noted, and it's never taught this way. And, and and I'll get into that a little bit later. That Thomas Jefferson was the the president of the U.S. that promoted the removal policy. I mean, he talks about it in his letter to Harrison. You know, we'll, just, we'll just move him across the Mississippi. That's why Jefferson was securing the so-called Louisiana Purchase, which was a theft of, of native lands. They paid France for land that Spain claimed from native people. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like you know, the greatest land fencing operation ever, ever done. I mean, Spain claims land, somehow gives discovery title or sells off discovery title to the French, and then the French end up selling it to, uh, to Jefferson. And Jefferson sells the idea of acquiring this discovery title, which ends up just being title as far as they're concerned. He sells the idea, to, especially to the, to the southern states, that's where we're going to put the Indians. That's, and he literally told him that because he needed the support of Georgia and, and the Carolinas and, and Virginia. He needed the support because they need – and the way to get that support was to convince them that's where we're going to drive the Cherokee. Uh, you know, we're going to get rid of the Pawnee and the Choctaw and, uh, and, and of course, the, the Haudenosaunee. Yeah, we're going to get rid of – we're going to send them all over there. Of course, not everybody went. But, the, but many of those trails of tears that – happened under the Jackson administration. The foundation for that was laid by, by the white supremacist that, uh, that Thomas Jefferson was. And keep in mind, Thomas Jefferson not only was a slaveholder, but he, he bore children with his slaves, or at least one of them. So he, he was a, pro, a, pro, a, promoted, a proponent of, of sex slavery. So, and I, and I, gotta, I gotta correct myself again, and, and I will try to do this on every occasion. He promoted slavery, and he had he had sex with enslaved individuals. I don't want to. Again, I've said it before. I, I'm going to try to correct myself to never refer to a human being who was enslaved as a slave. That's not their identity. This is what was done to them. And Jefferson was, you know, just like Washington was, was one of them that enslaved people, bought and sold, owned human beings, or, or claimed to own human beings as uh, as personal property. All right, let me move on. Lincoln. Well, most people don't realize just how racist Lincoln was towards Native people. And, you know, of course, what covers up Lincoln's um, uh, racism is the fact that he issues the Emancipation Proclamation uh, in January of, uh, of 1863, which, you know, paved the way 
to uh, ultimately ending slavery, uh, claiming that uh, that those who had been enslaved were or, were emancipated. Although his emancipation proclamation is it's it's got a dark cloud over it, and, and a couple of reasons. And I and I've talked about this before. The Emancipation Proclamation comes a week after the largest mass execution in the history of the United States, an execution order signed by Abraham Lincoln executing 38 uh, Dakota uh, for resisting a law that he signed earlier in 1862 um, called the Homestead Act, which opened up native lands to, to white people going in and taking it. And... So Lincoln would sign the execution order. Again, to this day, it still stands as the largest mass execution in the history of the United States, and that's, that comes at the hand of Abraham Lincoln. Now, keep in mind that when he does the Emancipation Proclamation, he doesn't, f- doesn't emancipate everybody. He mostly calls for, the, uh, for, the, uh, for the, the freedom of the enslaved in the southern states. In northern states like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, no, he wasn't. He wasn't calling for 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 you know to free anybody there. He was trying to trying to start a what was known as a slave revolt. He was trying to get the enslaved to rebel as a part of a military strategy uh, that that he was trying to make play out during this, uh, in in the Civil War. And and he made it real clear. That he didn't, he actually thought the whole idea of granting freedom um, would come with also trying to get rid of black uh, black people back to Africa. Uh, this was this was again part of part of his his strategy. He didn't think that black people should be free um, U.S. citizens. Uh, he, that took some convincing. He suggested that perhaps uh, uh, former enslaved who fought for the union might be granted men would be granted the right to to vote but look there was still plenty of white supremacy and uh, and racism that flowed through the veins of, of abraham lincoln even as he was doing things that would earn him praise for you know for over another century in um in the emancipation proclamation but again it can't be uh, understated that even as he was trying to do some of these things that was going to solve a moral crisis that the United States was, you know, the, the, the microscope they were being put under, it didn't stop him from from uh, from conducting genocide against against Native people, and and he was as guilty as as any of his pre- predecessors. So uh, that must be noted. Now, as for Theodore Roosevelt. Look, this guy was a was a pompous white supremacist. I mean, and he was completely unabashed about it. He was an imperialist in the the truest sense of the word. Thought, thought that the United States should take over the the entire world. Um, promoted the the not only the uh, uh, the illegal occupation of uh, of Hawaii, but ultimately through the Spanish American War, which most people don't know anything about would take over the Philippines uh, in, a, in a book called uh, True Flag by Stephen Kinzer uh, there is a passage in there where, where Kinzer writes that US troops for the first time found themselves firing upon individuals who were fighting for their independence 
of course, this is just a line of BS. I mean, I mean, Native people were fighting for our, for our independence for you know for centuries before that. But this is what the was the United States trying to take over the Philippines from the Spanish uh, uh, the Spanish col- colony, and was still trying to imp- impose its will on uh, on a people who didn't want it. And of course, this would you know this would actually lay some of the um, the groundwork for um, military buildup that would ultimately you know, have Japan bomb Pearl Harbor because of the United States asserting military presence in the, uh, in the South Pacific. But Theodore Roosevelt was also one of these guys who 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 really derided Native people, and it, it's ironic because the statue in front of the Museum of Natural History in, in New York City has him on a horse with a near-naked Native um, uh, person carrying his rifle and an even more naked <laughs> uh, black man carrying another rifle. For and Of course, these, this is not any kind of true-to-history uh, imagery. It never happened. But uh, the idea that somehow Roosevelt was going to have a black man and a Native man assisting him as his porters i mean unless the implication is that they were both enslaved by him which that never happened either um but to go beyond that uh one of the a a a man by the name of philip sheridan who was from the area close to albany uh has a statue of himself there um and philip sheridan was associated or connected to the the quote the only good indian is the dead indian you know, whether he actually said it or not, that's that's a quote that is attributed to him. And, of course, a big bronze statue in front of the, the Capitol in, in Albany, New York. But uh, but Roosevelt takes that quote and, and does something with it. He says, I don't go so far as to think that the only good Indians are, dead, are the dead Indians. But I believe 9 out of 10 are. And I shouldn't like to inquire too closely as to the 10th. So he was actually making a joke about this notion that the only good Indian are the dead Indians and would say that he's not sure if he would say that, but nine out of ten are, but, and he wouldn't want to look too closely at the tenth. So he, this is a guy who was so full of himself and so f- full of loathing of anybody of color, and, and he spoke as a white supremacist against black people. I mean, one of the things that, that upset him was in the efforts uh, for Cuba to win independence from Spain, uh, Thomas Jefferson was appalled to find out that most Cubans were black and almost had to rethink the idea of the United States supporting Cuba's fight for independence from Spain because because they were too dark-skinned. I mean, this is... The paradox that uh, you know, that that Roosevelt found himself in, even as he was trying to assert U.S. will, and and keep in mind this is how the U.S. gains uh, Puerto Rico as a U.S. colony um, illegally, illegal occupation, and you know as time goes on, it's almost like this stuff becomes okay, and and, and it's not. None of this stuff is okay, and the trouble with things like Mount Rushmore and the idea that that Donald Trump is going to try to hold one of his campaign rallies there. I know it's, he's not going to call it a campaign rally. He's going to call it some sort of independence day celebration. But, but the, 
the trouble with any of this is that these monuments are a rewrite of history. They are not in any way, shape, or form historically correct. So, and, and look, I'll spend, I'll spend the rest of the, the program talking about why these statues, these carvings, these monuments, why they're wrong and why they need to be um, taken away and, and removed as these symbols of history. And for all those people claiming that to take them down is to erase history, no, it's to correct. And it's to, it's to provide an opportunity to have a, a clear narrative of what, of what history was, not this propagandized version that, that comes in these, um, in these monuments to, to lies, basically. All right, hey, we're at the bottom of the hour. We'll take a break and we'll come back and uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Um, let me give a shout out to my my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises. I also want to give uh, give a nod to my uh, friends at Grand River Enterprises and Native Wholesale Supply. These are the um, the sponsors that take care of us on a weekly or monthly basis. And of course, I also want to give a Give a nod to my to my friends who, on occasion, you know, stick a check in the mail. Guys, guys like Cindy and uh, VJ and Steve and some of these others that um, uh, uh, Tony, others that throw a, throw a check in the mail, and it may not be much. In fact, you know, I, I even got a a donation via uh, PayPal this week. So, you know who you are, and uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, it um, it. Uh, enables us to to keep trying to improve what we're doing here. So I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank those who share the program, whether you're sharing the um, uh, the, the Facebook live stream or the podcasts or the YouTube videos. Uh, and and again, I got to remind people: please do visit the YouTube channel, the Let's Talk Native TV. And as events unfold, whether it's about monuments, whether it's about Columbus, whether it's about mascot issues, there are videos that we've done. And you know anything that strikes a uh, strikes a note with you, you know, grab the video, post it up on Twitter, on Facebook, or wherever. Share it with your friends, and let it be you know part of a um, a conversation starter, or maybe a conversation ender. Who knows? But uh, anyway, um, I want to thank those of you who who are doing some of that uh, now. All right, so these monuments. See, what's wrong with these things is that they mischaracterize not only the, the individuals that these monuments praise. I mean, I'm not even going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Confederate statues. Those are insane. The idea that in the United States that there are these statues of, of, a, of individuals that are heroized for committing treason against the United States is, is bizarre. The idea that the United States has military bases named after, and most of these these people were terrible, uh, you know, uh, military officers. I mean, they 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 wouldn't justify having a military base named after them, but because of the whole Southern pride. And let me correct that: it isn't about Southern pride. 
almost all of these statues, including the Mount Rushmore desecration, these were all part of promoting white supremacy, especially during the Jim Crow era. So when you, when you date where any of these statues come from, they all come at a time where white men are trying to assert, yeah, yeah, we, we ended slavery. Yeah, you're emancipated. Yeah, um, you may even have the, the right to vote, but know that we're, we're still owning you. And, and that's what the reason for these statues. And it's not just statues in the South. It was all over. I mean, these, these statues are all over that, that promote white supremacy. And, you know, when people say, well, well, how can anybody condemn Lincoln since he did the Emancipation Proclamation? Well, for one thing, I explained that a little bit. But there is no question that Lincoln and others, and look, and there are plenty of people in Congress right now. There are plenty of people who've run for the, for the presidency recently and one who sits in there now that are clearly, clearly unabashed white supremacists. But there's, there's one statue in particular, and actually there's, there's two of them, because there's one in Boston and there's one in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I know Jake had pulled it up uh, when we talked about this last time. It's, it's got Lincoln standing upright, fully dressed, fully dignified, looking over a crouched black man. With with shackles still on his wrist, but the shackles, but the chain is busted. But he, but he's still shackled, and he's near naked, looking not as animated. I mean, the the this the the sculpture the sculpture of Lincoln, you can they, they actually have the eyeballs. I mean, in the, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it has all the details, all the dignified de- details. But the but the black man, um, who who is actually supposed to be the representation of a, of a real uh, human being, although his name isn't on the, the statue anyplace, is is like just down on, on his knees. Now, white people say, "Oh, yeah, this is Lincoln um, trying to rise up." You know these enslaved individuals, but he isn't risen. He's not even dressed. And in fact, from one you know from a couple angles, it looks like Lincoln is petting him on the head like he's a dog, and. This statue is being, or the, the the pair of statues, the one in Boston and the one in, in Washington, are being highly criticized. Now, some people are trying to say, yeah, but black people paid for that. Well, it's true. A, a bunch of, um, you know, people who, who had been emancipated, raised they raised $17,000, which is a lot of money at the time, to do a monument uh, that was supposed to celebrate their emancipation. But they had nothing to do with the, with the design the, uh, who the sculptor was going to be or, or what the image was going to look like. Nothing. They just ponied up a bunch of money and this is what they got. They got a, a, a monument that shows a fully dignified Abraham Lincoln and, and a broken human being who, as, at least in this image, is, is either incapable of standing or is somehow so subservient that he, he he can't he can't see himself to stand up and look at Abraham Lincoln in the eye I mean it is it, I mean it is among the most racist statues or, 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 or monuments that, that that could possibly exist and yet there's going to be people, be people who def- who try to defend it I mean anybody who would take a any any black person and no I take it back any person 
who would take their child and see this monument. I mean, I got to think any child who would see this would be horrified. Well, why is, why, where's the clothes? Why, why is, are the chains there? Look, if you wanted to signify emancipation, why wouldn't you have a, a fully dressed and, a, and an upright um, black man looking as an equal to Abraham Lincoln? I'll tell you why. Because that was never the intent. So when, you, when these sculptures get made, these monuments get made, there is intent there. Not just the intent of the sculptor, but the people who, who are responsible for these things. They are trying to send a message to people. Now, does that sculpture tell, uh, tell black men to stay on their knees? It sure isn't telling them to get up. So this is why we speak out against these things. And you know, as Native people, one of the reasons we, we speak out of, uh, against mascots and monuments is because they misrepresent history. They not only create ugly stereotypes, but on the mascot issue, every one of those things is inaccurate. They never use a Native person or a proper or what would be an accurate depiction of a Native person from the area that the high school exists. And they won't teach in that high school what the Native experience was. I mean, how would you take on a Native mascot in a high school when you know at, the, at, the, at that period of time when, when a lot of these schools were, were adopting these, this Native imagery that, I mean, for their own amusement and entertainment, Native, people, Native children were being beaten in schools under the kill the Indian, save the man uh, policies of the residential schools. So, I mean, there could be no, there may be no greater example of white privilege than the idea that white kids could, could play Indian as a part of their education system, completely inaccurately, by the way, while Native kids were punished, and not just punished, not just beaten, but oftentimes beaten, they died in these residential schools. Some of them died leaving these residential schools, like uh, uh, Cheney Winjack, trying to get out of there because he didn't want he didn't want the the Indian beaten out of him. Well, let me t- let me address that one. <laughs> That's the other thing with these with these mascots and these these monuments. They all mi- misrepresent. So when you erect a statue of of Christopher Columbus and praise him as this great explorer, this discoverer of America, this symbol of Italian-American heritage, he's none of those things. He wasn't an explorer. I'm not saying he wasn't trying to navigate and discover a a trade route, but he was in this for the money. This wasn't some virtuous task that he was that that, that he had, you know embarked upon. And he wasn't this pious religious figure. They mocked their religion in the way that they they executed and exterminated native people uh, in the in the in the Caribbean. And in the Caribbean, where he didn't even know where he was, he thought he was on the the easternmost islands of the of the East Indies. That's why we get the misnomer, right? That's why they and and I gotta correct this. I know Russell Means and other people were promoting this idea of Indios that that, that Columbus referred to us as, you know, of God, and that's not really what that's not what Indios uh, comes from. It comes from this idea that he thought he was in the Indies, so. 
these schools they call themselves the Indians. I went I went to a school, Cambridge, New York, the Cambridge Indians, and they they don't have Mohawks on uh, in their you know for their their logo. No, they've got a Plains Indian full headdress. So inaccurate representation of what a native person of that place would have been. An inaccurate name calling us the 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 mistake that Columbus made that would that you know that, that would last as part of his legacy. And of course we get we get you know called called redskins and warriors and Indians and savages and red men and and of course they'll use names like uh like like Mohawk or or Sioux. And these aren't even the words that we call it, we, we we would call ourselves. So the inaccuracy with the words, the, the inaccuracy in the in the imagery, is all meant to just mock us. And I heard people say, "Yeah, but mock, you know, it's not to belittle. No, it is. It's for entertainment." So between the the monuments and the mascots, there is no way that the average person, an average American, if there is such a thing, can, in this culture, have any semblance of knowledge about who Native people are. So when I hear somebody say, well, you're just trying to erase history. No. What you're, being, what you're promoting and what you're teaching isn't history. There is no part of, of any school having a Native mascot that is about teaching about Native people. I'll tell you what it teaches. It teaches racism. It promotes um, unhealthy, unwarranted, inaccurate stereotypes. And look, the, the two ways that Native people are, are, are represented, either negatively as drunks, maybe casino owners, I don't know, um, primitive, animal-like, you know, or this other representation, which is, is also not accurate, like, like we're just the noble savage. The, the warrior, fierce, you know, they'll throw proud and, and all that. But at the end of the day, n- neither one of these, these stereotypes, negative or positive, really represent who we are. I'm the Haudenosaunee. I, I'm not saying we didn't fight, but we, our culture is born in the idea of establishing peace, not waging war. I mean, when people enlist in the military service, they, Native people say, oh, it's because they have to fulfill their warrior custom. That's, that's, that's bullshit. I mean, I'll tell you why people enlist. It's because their lives suck so bad because of the policy of the United States that somehow carrying a gun and killing other brown people for the United States seems like a step up from what the, the lives that they're currently living. And there's some sense that if you suck up enough to the United States, that somehow you're going to be treated better. That the racism of a you know the, the racism that a soldier who's black or brown is going to experience is going to be less than the racism they experience in the street. That may be true, but it may be less. It's not gone. So the reason that we're so passionate about this stuff is because you can't go forward without addressing the false history that is being promoted with these monuments with carved in stone on 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 native lands bronze statues marble statues team letterman jackets all of these images are false and i mean again mount rushmore why would those four faces be on on, on a carved into mountains in lakota territory 
if not to send a statement and a message to the Lakota. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, it's not like there was a whole lot of white people watching this, you know, seeing this thing. So when I when I see these these monuments and and the parks that are that are created in their in their name Columbus Park Columbus Square Columbus Circle when I see this stuff why why is the the capital of the United States in the District of Columbia why why I mean what is it even supposed to say what does it mean. I mean, I, I'll never understand why is there a province of Canada called British Columbia? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. So correct it. And why not correct it? And you know what? If you don't take those, if you're not going to take the racist statue of Lincoln petting a, a black man on his knees, then why don't you tell the, the truth about what emancipation really was and the fact that just a, a week behind him, was an execution. Why not put up another statue of a black man standing standing up, living as a free man, relatively free, free-ish as, as I've seen it posted. I'll tell you why. Because white supremacy is alive and well in the United States. And we see it every day. I mean, I, look, I got into some, you know, there was some debate about the, the Clum statue in Buffalo and now I had some woman white supremacist, you know, white supremacist just going off about you know native people, and then went on to say something you know about, um, uh, well they need to they need to destroy the Obama statue, uh, the statue of Obama and his little girl. I said, you don't even know where that statue is, and 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 what are you saying it represents? I, you know, look, and I'm not trying to sing the praise of, of Barack Obama. So the woman finally comes out. She goes, well, it's in Rapid City. You know, another uh, another Democrat, um, you know, I think she called it a shithole or something like that. And I said, Rapid City? <laughs> you think Rapid City is a Democratic stronghold in South Dakota? Are you kidding me? I don't know why there'd be a Barack Obama statue there, but, you know, the fact that there's one, look, he was the President of the United States, I guess they could do that. But, um, but yeah, she, she was, all, all cities are liberal strongholds. Well, I got to tell you, there's not a whole lot of... Uh, um, liberal strongholds in south dakota and to suggest i mean we know what native people experience in rapid rapid city we know what i mean we had, we had our kids try to go to a hockey game after doing well in school in rapid city and white men were pouring beer from the from the luxury boxes uh, in in rapid city yeah yeah that's that's a real liberal stronghold there but th- see this is the thing and we're seeing this play look even the idea of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask has turned into a, a right versus left thing. I mean, Trump, his refusal to wear a mask makes it sound like, you know, that he's, he's trying to resist pressure from the, from the liberals. And so you got, there you go. The, the governor of South Dakota says, no, when Trump comes to visit us, that is going to be a no social distancing event. So everybody's just going to, mingle and you know share their coronavirus or whatever else you know and and make no mistake about it the coronavirus is spreading wildly quick uh, more quickly in um in these republican strongholds in you know even in california so where's california's biggest spike in coronavirus 
Orange County, which is the most Republican county in the in the um, uh, in the state of California. But Texas, you know, um, the the southern states, yeah, that's that's where this thing is spreading. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to credit, you know, anybody uh, in the in the northern states or the or the Democratic strongholds for having handled this thing, but very well because I think they all failed miserably. But you know, you, at the at the federal government level. This has been mishandled so badly. And just keep in mind, and, and I've said this a couple of shows, think about as bad as Trump, the Trump administration has handled the coronavirus, the United States is entering into hurricane season now. I mean, they're in the, um, l- luckily a huge dust storm has tamed the, you know, the, the paths of hurricanes. That, that, you know, the Sahara dust storm has tamed some of this stuff. But uh, that's almost gone. So now the skies are clear. And it's um, you know it's 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 ready for hurricane season to come in. Can you imagine throwing you know natural disasters on top of a global pandemic, completely mishandled by by the moron in in the White House? And it's just polarized everybody. Yeah, I mean even the idea. I've listened. I see people posting stuff, and and even a few native people that somehow Black Lives Matter in this battle for social justice that it's been taken over by uh through a liberal conspiracy that george soros and you know all these you know rich liberals are throwing money to 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 pay people to go to these protests and and of course they throw things like antifa which is which means anti-fascist so i guess if you're against anti antifa you must be pro-fascist i don't know it doesn't make any sense but the, just the idea that even when a cause like police reform, like criminal justice, that isn't just about people recognizing that's a, that there's a problem. No, it's, it's about the right versus the left, or the left versus the right. We can't have a discussion about, over mascots without it turning into a right versus left conversation. And, and and the crazy part is, anybody who studied this idea of uh, of native mascots or 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 the effects of this misrepresentation of history or <laughs> the the intent that was behind some of these monuments knows that it has a negative effect. Every psychologist, every every real teacher knows that it that it has a devastating effect on on children. But nobody cares. Because it's about propagandizing history. And so we continue with this notion that not only is, is Trump promoting make America great again, but nobody can put their finger on when it is that they claim America was great. When was it? During, during slavery? During Jim Crow? During the, the civil rights battles? I mean, during when? When Native people were herded onto reservations, when Native kids were being beaten and murdered in residential schools, was that was that when America was great? When was it? So, what is this return to? From where it is now, and is a return to make it worse? The police problem in the United States is worse than any place on the planet. I mean. Any place else, they would call it, you know, a, a military occupation or, or some sort of military aggression. No, not in the United States. 
there's their police departments are militarized and to speak out against that and to say look there needs to be the police need to be dealing with with certain issues but not all the issues they're, that they're being used for especially including mental health i mean unless somebody is doing a murder suicide what could be worse than having a police officer try to uh, address somebody who's trying to kill themselves i mean i i don't know but anyway i it is important that people realize that what's going to happen later this uh, later later this week is not any different than the uh, erection of these um, Confederate statues. Trump going to Lakota Territory, going to Mount Rushmore to, to stare at that, that desecration of, the, of the Lakota's Black Hills is the same um, intent that happened during the Jim Crow era when all these Confederate monuments went up. It was to remind people that those people are the heroes of white people because they were promoting slavery because they were promoting white supremacy and that's exactly what trump is going to mount rushmore for and there'll be a lot of white people there i guarantee there'll be a lot of white people there but from what i understand there's also in uh there it's intended that there, there's going to be protests there and i hope so I'll, I'll tell you i have said it before i wish every one of these columbus statues would face plant tomorrow but you know, I, I, somebody somebody said something about um, um, we need to, we need to take aim at Rush, Mount Rushmore, and I and I posted a picture of a, of a woman with a, a rocket propelled grenade launcher. I said, yeah, that's what you need to take take aim at Mount Rushmore with. Take it down. That, that's I mean, I, and I I mean it. I mean, it'd be great to see um, responsible politicians take the measures and and we've seen some look some of these statues have been removed i mean mississippi literally taking the the confederate flag off of their state flag i mean i'm moved by some of this stuff but there's also going to be strongholds where people will not bail on their native mascots they will not bail on their racist statues and their racist monuments well if they won't take them down somebody should i'm not taking credit or blame at this point but uh I, I'd love to see some more of these statues faceplant, and I'd love to see the those faces blown off of the uh, off of the off of that mountain, so so nature can have the mountain back, so the Lakota can have their mountains back, not to be defaced. I mean, it's amazing that you put faces on it; you deface a mountain by adding faces. That's white supremacy carved in stone. Thanks for listening. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.